All right. Are y'all ready? We are in starting a new book. Are y'all ready to start a new a new book? What was the last book we just got finished with? What what was it? Was written by one of the twelve doctors. He also wrote the book of what was the book the the, the book what was the book we did before Acts? Do y'all remember? It was written by Paul. That's right. Starts with an E. E ends with Ephesians. Ephesians, very good. Uh, Ephesians. So, so that was that was one that was written by Paul. Okay. So we're now in a new a, a new book. Okay. It's going to be an Old Testament book called Joshua. Joshua. The book of Joshua was written by Joshua. No trick question here. Joshua. Uh, what book is Joshua in the the Bible? What numbered book is it? Is it the, the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth? It's the sixth book. There's five books before this book, and they're grouped together, and they're called what? Do, do you all know what those first five books of the, the Bible are called? Pentateuch. Everybody say Pentateuch. 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 Very good. So they're the pent, pent, Pentateuch. Penta meaning five. I, I, I should know what Tuke means. I just read it even this week, and I just can't think of it. So um, it's the first five books of the Bible, Pentateuch. This is the next book that came after. Who wrote the Pentateuch, except for the very end of it? Because it talks about how he died. Moses is the one that we believe wrote the Pentateuch, okay? So he's written all the first five books. This is the next book, Joshua, and it's written by... Okay, y'all got that down now. Now, where was he born? Joshua, where was he born? Because we're going to talk about this guy uh, for the next six months and, and, and things that he went through. Let's talk about his past because this is important. Where, where, where do you think he was born? On the road, that's a great thought, but it wasn't on the road. He was actually born in Egypt. He was born in captivity in Egypt. He was one of the Hebrew slaves that was there. When Moses goes, let my people go, no, all these plagues. He's, he's one of, of the Israelites that's freed. He's actually, we actually see him um, in Exodus chapter 17. Have you heard the story about when the Israelites were at war with the Amalekites, and, and Moses, as long as his hands are raised up, Israel wins the war. But when his hands fall, they begin to lose the war. And so he's holding his hands up, but he gets tired and they begin to fall. And so men place, bring stones and they build the stones up so he can sit on the stones with the hands up. And then Aaron and, and one more guy come and they hold up his hands for him because he's too, too tired to do it. Great picture of faith of how we should stand by each other when we go to battle. And we're in battle all the time. So in that story, though, the leader of the Israeli army is a man named Joshua. I can't believe I'm going to preach on this book for the next six months. I want to change his name or something. J-Man, all right? So that's where we first hear about So he's pretty big time. He's well-renowned among them. I just want you to know that he sort of plays a role in that story. He's one. Moses goes to Mount Sinai. Do you all know what God gave him there on Mount Sinai? That he broke 
the first set and they get a brand new set. What it was what? Ten Commandments. Okay, so he goes to the to the base of it. Doesn't go on the mountain because no one else is allowed on the mountain. But he walks with Moses to the base, sets camp, and Moses goes up on the mountain and comes back to him. He's the one that sort of he assists Moses. He's like an assistant to him in that time. So we're actually not going to get to the book of Joshua tonight at all. We're going to be in the in the book of Numbers. And as I planned this, I was like, man, I'm going to talk about this story, and I'm really going to talk about who this guy is and how he sort of became the man that we know him as, as we're about to do the study in this book. But that's going to be at the very end of the message, because the meat of this message is in the story, and it doesn't always have a lot to do with him. It's partly to do with him, but the part I want you to hear doesn't have to do with him. So as I had planned, this is, man, this is how I'm going to introduce it as I work through this text I've come with something completely different than I planned. Now, who here grew up in church, sort of, kind of, at least grew up in church? Quite a few of you. I I didn't really grow up in church, uh, so uh, so if if you're one of those that didn't, I'm with you. Um, You know, I I, I didn't know a lot of the stories my friends knew. Did y'all, what what are some, some, if you grew up in church, what are some of your favorite childhood Bible stories? Does anybody have, like, just, just name it. Jonah and the whale, okay. Yes, Jonah and the whale. Jesus broke the bread, okay, good. What else? And that's when he fed all those people with that little bit of bread, right? Okay. Noah and the ark, building a boat in the middle of dry land, smoking crack is what you'll see, huh? Second. Three dudes in the fiery furnace. Sorry, I'm going deaf. Um, so, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, go ahead, Kate. Coat of many colors. Colors. Did any of you ever wish you had your own coat of many colors? Okay, I, I see you out there. Okay, anybody else? Store stories. What? The end of Jesus' life. Sort of a, especially when you're young. That's a really loud, loud story. Now, one thing about a lot of the stories, besides the ones we talk about Jesus, most of them are Old Testament stories. And what I love about kids and Old Testament stories is that they take them and they believe every bit of it is true. But as we grow up, we get skeptical about things. Uh, And so when it talks about, well, let me jump to this part. Um, These stories have one thing in common. One thing is they they seem to all take courage. Someone has to take a step of of courage and and, and faith uh, for the story to start off, for the, the story to move. But it also takes a movement of God. That's, that's sort of what makes these stories sort of sort of stick to us. Now, when I was um, younger, and, and many of you, when you were young, younger, and it could still be now, you may have a a mother or father or grandparent that you sort of lo- look up to. And as you were younger, you thought that they could do anything. I mean, they could do. I was once with um, Maylee, and uh, we walked by this car, and she said, Dad, can you pick that car up? Me being the great dad I am, lied blatantly to my child and said, of course I can pick that car up. And this is what she said. I knew it. I knew it. Why? Why? She believes, kids a lot of times think dads or parents or moms, man, you can do anything. And, 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 and I hope my kids don't ever stop believing because dad, daddy can do anything. No. Um, uh, but, and so it's sort of not true, but it's sort of what they believe. They, they, they impress. And I, I think kids, when it talks about faith like a child, I think that 
that faith like a child partly means, man, I, I, believe, I believe God can do anything. And it's, it's not false at that point. It's false when it comes to a parent because when you grow up, you, you see, oh, parents are a little bit flawed more than I, than I thought. Oh, they can't lift up that car. He lied to me when I was four. Yes, he lied to you. So, um, but we take this thing of, of, of God and who God, who God is, and we sort of lose track as we grow up, and we sort of do the same thing we do with our parents. We think, oh, well, they can't do what I thought they could. And also as we grow up, we go, oh, well, God probably can't do that. But I want you just to think about these stories. Um, do you know every great story in the Bible where God shows up, the world would label as cr- cr- crazy? Um, Noah, it's going to flood, build a big boat, Nowhere near the water. Yes, Lord. Start, starts building. It takes them how how many years? Like 70 or something awful? That's crazy. Okay, hey, hey. Little sheep boy David. Um, this, this, this giant twice as big as you who has killed many, many, many and kills for a, a living. Well, you've got to fight him to defend Israel from him. And you've got a pebble. Okay. The, the world goes, okay, that's, 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 that's crazy, but with faith mixed with God means anything. And we come to the Old Testament. I'm excited that we're in an Old Testament book for the next while because I want you to come into this and go, this isn't just a cute story. For you to go, oh, that's really great. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's not. The God of the Old Testament and the New, he's everything that he says he is. Uh, he's, he's, he's here now just as he was, was there then, but he's here in a, even an amazing now way here because he's put his spirit in, inside of us through the gift of his son. So, so I just wanted that whole point is just, hey, as we come to the text, Old Testament, it might be a story that you know and you've heard of. Oh, they're going to march around this city and they're going to yell and the the walls are going to fall down. And you've heard these stories, but there's so much truth of who God is. And God is that big and God is that real. And he's not just real back then. He's real right now. The things that you are facing right now, the things that are not fair right now, the things that you don't know how to deal with right now, can I tell you, God knows, God cares and God is enough for anything that you're facing. Anything. So we're going to jump into the text here. Uh, and um, we're going to be in, in Numbers chapter 13. And if you've got your Bibles, turn there. We'll have the words on the screen. Uh, I'm going to, would love for you to just, man, a New Year resolution, that would be a great one, would be bring your Bible to church. Every time you come to church, bring your Bible to church because it's great for you to open it up and read in here, also at home. But I think it's great as long as your parents are okay with it, which most would be if you take notes even in the side thing or underline a verse that t- seems to jump out because there's so many times in my life when I just need something and a verse that I will have marked up five years ago is what I really need to see right now. So, so make, a, make a pledge and vow, man, I'm going to start to bring this. So there's a, a story here. Um, that I, many of you have heard, so the spies going into the land. And uh, there's some just big truth here. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. 
we're, we're, we're going to read this part. Y'all just stay seated for this part. It said that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of, Can- of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. Now, the text then goes on to explain a whole lot of names that will take me about 45 minutes to say. So we're not going to read through all these names, and you would probably forget them most pretty quick anyways. But they send one leader from every tribe. There's 12 tribes. So these are men of great respect and renown in the tribe. There's two I would like to point out to you. One is from the tribe of Ju- Judah, Caleb, son of Jephuni, and from the tribe of Ephraim. And I've heard it pronounced a few ways. It's Hoshe, the son of Nun. Okay? Now it starts with spelled with an H. H O S. H-E-A. Do you all see that in your Bibles? Yes? Now, just a side note, and we're not going to really have time to unpack it, but it's interesting because Moses puts a J on the front of his name, and his name is Joshua. Now, Hosea in Hebrew means salvation. Joshua in Hebrew means Yahweh is salvation. So it's a sort of a defining picture of, of who this man is, and he's wanting to point them to God that, that I'm not the one that saves you. God is the one who saves you. So it's an interest, interesting, as, as Saul went to Paul's name change, he's got a name change as well. Now we're going to jump to verse 17 through 20. We've gotten through all those names we, which we've skipped over. And look here in, um, in verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the ne- 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 Negev and go up into the hill con- con- country and see what the land is and whether the, the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, <coughs> whether there are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strong- strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, that now the time was this death season of the first ripe of grapes. So we see they go into the land. They see a lot of things. They see the towns. It explains the towns, verse twenty-one through twenty-five, and uh, uh, it, they see the land has, has, has got fruit. They actually cut down a a single single cluster of grapes. Now, if I were to buy it at the store, it would look like it's about this big, right? Theirs is is attached to two poles. And it's, it's, it's carried by two men who have these poles on their shoulders with a huge cluster of grapes attached to it. So it's showing them, he had said, bring, bring some back so we can see the fruit in the land. They're saying, hey, there is ample, there is much fruit in the land, just like God had been saying for time and time again. <coughs> now there's, there's a point, one, I want, I want you to hear. And this is going to be interesting for some of you because you're going to say, say what? But I want you to hear this point because even as as I uh, have read on it and looked at com- com- commentators and their their views, this is where they all lend to. And I've got a point where I lend here as well. Point one of this text is this: just because God allows it, doesn't mean it's part of God's plan. 
Just because God allows it doesn't mean it's part of God's plan. Now, in verse 1, it says that, that God says, hey, send the men out there. Send the man to go spy out, out, out the land. But if we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 through 22, we'll have those words <coughs> on the screen. You don't have to turn there if you don't have time. Uh, and, and, and this is what it says. I'm going to read from the screen. Uh, have you got it? There you go. Then, then it says, and so this is an account that Moses is giving after. This book is after the book we're in. So he's talking back about the story and how it all played out. And this is what he says. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and ter- terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill con- country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. Now, that's where they're at right when they're stopped, where they're going to go spy out the land. That's named Kadesh Barnea. And then it says this, And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Next verse. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So he takes them to the spot and he says, okay, this is the promised land God has given to us. Go take it. And this is the people's response. Verse 22. See the Lord. Nope. Verse 22. Have you got it there, Tristan? Okay, good. Then all, all, all of you came near me and said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up in the, the cities in, in, into which we shall come. Now, now, so God said, hey, they brought them to this spot, and their plan was, hey, go take the land. And the people came and said, we might need to go check this out real quick. I mean, have, have you ever felt God urge you, and there's a part of you went, ah. And sometimes when you look back, you know it wasn't the right part that said, ah, I might need to pray about this for a little while. And that's what's going on here. Now, do not forget, Israelites enslaved by the Egyptians, okay? God, uh, they're they're freed by Moses and God. God leads them out as a, and he's seen as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The glory and the might of God, they see it as they're escaping out. They know which way to go because God is there going before them. They get to the Red Sea. They're trapped. There's no way to get through. God parts the sea for them to get through. They get through. They're being chased. The seas crash on those that are trying to pursue them. God shows up. They come in before the Amalekites, and they are afraid they're going to be beaten down. As long as Moses' hands are held up, they win because God is in control, showing this faith in God. They win that battle. It says in verse in, in, in Numbers 11 and 12, and does this not sound like us? After um, It says that they begin to whine and complain about the food. Boy, that would be me all day long. i got to tell you, I'm a, I'm a food snob all day long. And so they, they are there, and they're like, Oh, Moses, why did you take us away from Egypt? The bread there was like cake. It was wonderful, but now we have this. Oh. And they're just whining. We'd be so much better if we were just enslaved again. That's what they're actually saying. 
And God's anger burns against them. And it says that those who are on the outside of the camp, God's anger, it burns down and it, it, it smites them. That means you don't want to be smiting or smitten. Well, smitten's different. Smoten or anything like that, because that could be bad. So, so, so I just want you to see something. God has been all the time going, I'm leading you. I'm taking you to the promised land. Just, just come on, let's go. He's led them all the way. They get to the, the edge of it and they go, ah, I think our way might be a little bit better. Now we take things in this life and just because it's occurred, we think, oh, that's, that's God, God's plan. Well, the, just because things go good or bad, we think, oh, well, that just must be God's plan. And can I tell you, God's plan that is that none should perish and all should come to eter- e- eternal life. God, God, do you think God planned for Eve to sin in the garden? Did God know that she was going to sin? Yes. Did God plan for it? Is it part of his plan? No, it's not part of his plan. His plan is, is that, that, that we're in right relationship with him. We, we tend to take things that have occurred and go, oh, well, that's just part of God's plan. Maybe that's just part of what, what occurred in a sin-filled life where storms hit Puerto Rico and, and that thousands are killed. And it, you say that's part of God's plan or is it something that because sin is in the world and has messed up the world, God has allowed it and God works through it. But be careful what you go. Well, that's just part of God's plan. Because I think we, we attribute things, go good or bad, oh, that must be God's plan. And God's plan is that we walk in right relationship with him. God's plan is that we seek him with all that we have and with all that we are. That's what God wants for you and me. So just because he allows it doesn't mean that it's, it's part of his plan. Um, so let's jump to, to, to numbers. And we're jumping because there's big chunks of text here. And I, I want you to see the gist of the passage here. Uh, and we're at, at Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. It says, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, and they, they told them, we come to this land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Caleb, don't miss this, one of the two that the names we brought out before. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So there's some Debbie down, Downers in this group. You know, someone, I don't know if you're around them, but they always, it's always bad. Things are always going to be bad. And they see this and they go, oh, these people are giants. They occupied, their cities are fortified. We, it, and, and he's like, shut up. Let's go take it. 31, it says, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. 
and all the, the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. He said, these people, we were like grasshoppers compared to them. They are huge. They are scary. And this is the second truth I want you to know. It is much easier, if you want the easier road and for the rest of your life, Listen to this. It's easier to walk by sight and not by faith. It's going to be easier for you to truck down that road, the road by sight and not by faith. Um, it is much easier uh, when I have saved up money and a need comes my way that I can give it. It's harder when I feel led by the Lord to give or to do some, 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 something that I know, dude, I can't afford that. How in the world can I pull this off? God, how in the world? Now, we, we've been blessed, but let me tell you stories of adoption. We've talked to so many pe- people that were way worse than we e- e- ever were that said, God called us to adopt, and so we, we went down that road. And some of them took out loans of 15 grand or 20 grand that they are still paying on after five years because God to- told them, you need to adopt a child, find a way. To, to do it, and they took it by faith. They made the sacrifice to do it. So much easier, though, to walk by sight. A mission trip comes our way. It costs more than what you have, or it costs a lot or all that you have. Or it might be going to a place, and nowadays going any place around the world can be a risk. And you're like, oh, it's risky. It's just not, not safe um, it's easier to walk by sight and go, ah, we're just not going to go. We're going to wait till the world gets safer before we start to do that stuff. You're never going to move if you live by that ma- mantra. The, the problem arises when God compels us to move, compels us to act, but it d- doesn't make sense. But God's ways are not our ways. And I'm not saying God wants you to go harm yourself or hurt yourself, or be a dumb risk to yourself. God never really seems, unless there's clearly talking to you and all your friends around you that uh, in life, it's always pretty pretty wise, wise stuff when you talk to people of faith about it. When you talk to people of the world about it, they don't understand as well. We might even be compelled, and for you, how can we bring this home? You're compelled to speak about your faith in, among your sports team or in your classroom or at lunch at school or among some friends that don't go to church. Um, but the crowd can be mean. For anyone that spoke up at any amount of times, the crowd uh, can be mean. Uh, are we walking by faith or are we walking by sight? What we see is that is what affects the way that we live or we're going to walk by faith on who God is and that's going to affect the way that I live. Much easier to walk by fight by, by sight, by fight. I walk by fight and not by faith. Um, you know, God, God's led the Israelites out of captivity through the Red Sea, defeated the Amalekites all the way to the promised land. And still they go, and this shows the crowd going, ah, I don't think this is good, good for us. This is not a wise move for us. God's brought them all that way. 
But we do the same thing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has led you out of captivity of sin, of your sin and self. I believe that if you're a believer in, in, in Jesus Christ for any amount of time, that you've seen him move in different ways within your life, just like they saw him move, where he led them here and led them there. And God wants, can I tell you this? God wants to take you to the promised land. And some of you, well, yeah, heaven is the promised land because that's going to get me away from so much hurt or things of this world. But I think God has a prom- promised land for us here and there. That, that when he says in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life to the full, he's not talking about after you're dead. He's talking about right here, right now, in relationship with him. You know, um, that's what, you know, I, I've just got this right here in my notes. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, you've been led out of the captivity of sin through the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life and died as a sacrifice for your sins and mine. Um, that's just the, the gospel. That's, that's the, the truth of who God is. We see in the, the Bible here in, in, in Numbers 14, the pe- people's response. This is not the response of the spies. This is the response of the crowd. Look at what the Israelite crowd who's seen God move in mighty ways, look what they do. Don't, don't bash them too much because we do the same thing a, a lot of times when, when God moves. It says this, we're reading a lot of text here, verses 1 through 11. Then all the con- congregation raised a loud cry, and the, the, the people wept that night. They just heard the report of the spies. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Or our wives and our, our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They're saying that again. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Hey, Moses, thanks for all that you did, but we're done with you. We're, we're going back. <laughs> then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those people who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They tore their clothes as, as a sign of grief and, and pain and hurt and just sort of just deep, deep hurt and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, who brings us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Okay, so, so they speak up. These two out of the crowd that were like, hey, we were there. God is, we're, you go. I mean, they, they don't, they're just, go. And the people, the crowd are so mad, they, they pick up stones ready to kill them. Just, no, no. And it says right here, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? Great question to ask. Great question to ask to us. Uh, and just, just be introspective a little bit. Am I, as a person of faith in, G, in, in, G, in Jesus Christ, um, does God ask that, that about me? You know, how long 
will, will Dan not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done? How long will he hold back and not speak up when I tell him to speak up in spite of all the things that, I, that I've done? And then it says, I will, he says, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. He's like, man, I'm going to wipe everybody who's against this out, God's saying. He's not going to do it, but he's like, gee, I just want to squash them, which I would have done if I was God, but that's not why. That's why I'm not God. <clears throat> Point three is this. Disobedience has consequences. Okay? Disobe- disobedience has consequences. Now, you might say, well, I thought that God's loving and he loves me and that he, he's forgiving. And the answer is he is, he is, he is. He's all three of those things. But because he loves us, he disciplines us. Part of, of our being sanctified is to become more like Jesus Christ, more Christ-like. And that's rub off the rough crud that we know that we are, that sin, that, that rebe- rebellion that seems to ride up in us, that pride that, that just, just seems to, to, when we feel like we've got it beat, seems to show, show itself. It's part of our sanctification. And look what it says here in verse, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 26 through 38. And this is, disobedience has consequences. Don't miss this. And the Lord spoke to, to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say, say, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. Uh, and of all of your number listed in the, the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land for where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephuni, and jo- jo- Joshua, the son of Nun. But your, your little ones, who you said will become prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have reject, rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness, until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity. 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all this wicked con- congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation gr- grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land, the men who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. Of those men who went to spot the land, only jo- Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son uh, of Jephuni remained alive. Dude, that's a pretty harsh con- consequence. God has led them this far. They've gone, hey, hey, let's, uh, I don't know if this is a good plan. Let's spy it out and just check it out before we go. They do this. They come back. It really throws them off if they'd have just gone. But because they disobeyed and because they did not believe in God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Man, we can't even grasp that. I mean, I, I was six when we started to walk and we're about to go in the land now. 
And you're, you're like, that's only 20 years. I know, but we're just pretending. <laughs> that is a consequence, but don't miss it. Sin has devastating consequences. Devastating consequences. You know, sin, and we, we're, if you're born in sin and you live in sin and you live apart from Jesus Christ for the rest of your life and you die apart from Jesus Christ, you know the consequence of your sin is eternity apart from God, eternity in hell, and that makes 40 years like a snap. Sin has great consequences. Don't miss that. Interesting thing, the Jews commemorate this day in a, in a holiday called Tish Ba'av. Tish Ba'av, okay? It's a Jewish day of fasting and mourning. So they celebrate, I say, but they, re- they really mourn and they fast. It's a day that they grieve. It's a day that Israel, that the Jews turned away from God and they were punished for their sin. And they believed that um, this day was always going to um, uh, bear, it was just always a bad day, going to be a bad day for the Jews. And it's on the Jewish cal- 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 calendar, it's the, the ninth of, of Av. Okay, it's sort of the main day. And then there's a week before and past it that they, they, they mourn too. But this is sort of the day the spies came back. They turned against what the Lord said, and the Lord put his punishment on the, the people. So it's a day that they grieve. Listen to what occurred has occurred on the 9th of Av. In 587 B.C., the first Jewish temp, temple built by Sol, 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 Solomon was destroyed by the ba, ba, Babylonians. This is hundreds of years after the spies event. In, in 70 AD, the second Jewish temp, temple built by Ezra and Nehemiah on this day was destroyed by the Romans. On this day in 1941, the final solution came across the desk of Hitler that ordered the extermination of the Jews. That was when the Holocaust officially began where a third of the Jewish population of the world was killed. Man, that, that's a sad day, isn't it? What a day. I just thought that, that was interesting that those events have all occurred um, on this, that where, the spies, where the spies came back and they, they, they turned against God. And, and So all, all these points are, are sort of weird points to me. The first one was... Um, uh, just because God al- allows it doesn't mean he, pl- he planned it. That it's much easier to walk by sight than it is by faith, but we're called to walk by, by faith. The third one is di- disobedience has consequences. Sin has great consequences. Don't, don't, don't play with that. And the fourth point is this. Joshua and, C- and Caleb were all in. The most beautiful part of this story, the saving grace in this story is that Joshua and Caleb were all in. In, in Numbers 14, 24, that verse says this. It says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Because he followed me wholeheartedly. Look at, at, at Numbers 32, 12. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they followed the Lord whole 
wholeheartedly. Deuteronomy 1, 36 talks about all the spies had, had done this wrong way except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, he will see it and I will give him uh, and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Joshua 14, 14, so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. That is, if there's something that can be said on my grave that won't be at this point, uh, because I'm just not there, uh, I'm ashamed to admit, but is that, man, that he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. May we be people, may we be youth, may we be adults, may we be whatever God calls us to be that will follow the Lord wholeheartedly, all in with everything that we have. If we have a theme for this, for, for this year, for our youth group, that's what I want it to be, wholehearted. How am I living? Whole, whole heart, 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 hearted. How, 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 how is my faith shown? It's all in. It's all in at school. It's all in at home. It's all in at church. It's all in at work. It's all in as I walk down the road. It's all in with my sports team wholeheartedly. May that be the goal. That's, this is the guy who's, who writes this book, and the stories are mainly a lot about of what God has done through him that we're going to jump into. I mean, it's a, it's a great person. This is my, of Old Testament books for me, this is my favorite book. Uh, I just, I just want to be this guy. I mean, Lord, I don't want to be like Christ. Okay, I understand that. But man, yeah, besides Christ, this guy is who I really want to be like. All right, so that's our plan um, wholeheartedly. That's my challenge for you. May we live that way. Well, we're going to pray and we'll be dismissed tonight. <coughs> Dear God, I thank you so much for every student and adult that's in this room. Uh, God, I thank you um, just for, for, your, for your word, for your your Old Testament story, God, but that it displays what a great God that you are. And God, may we understand of, of all the, uh, sin is a serious, serious thing uh, that you, uh, that we can't play around with and you don't play around with. Uh, and Lord, may we uh, repent from our sins, turn from them, and we trust, may we trust Christ, turn to Christ and trust him. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All